Good morning, and happy Mother's Day, and um, it's, uh, I'm glad to be here today. Uh, we were supposed to talk about lust today, and we're not going to do that since it's Mother's Day, amen? And so if you're following along in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7, the next section of Scripture was about lust, and uh, John and Mike brought that to my attention, and so I could have had a lot of fun with that today, amen? But, uh, but it's Mother's Day, and so we're going to talk about some different things, and then we're going to talk next week about um, you know, what God's uh, expectation is for us in that area of our life as well. But I love, I love this section of scripture. I love how as a church, we're taking it uh, piece by piece and just unpacking what God has called us to be as a people uh, that are a city on a hill. And so as we discover what it means to be a people that calls us his own, we're a people who are salt and light to a culture that is without Christ. We want to consider what it means to engage in one institution that, in my opinion, and I think we can all agree on this, to some degree, the institution of marriage, it seems to be, to some degree, withering away. And, and it's being redefined. And at the end of the day, if we're going to follow Jesus Christ, we have to make sure that the Word of God and that the gospel message of Jesus Christ drives and defines who we are and what we do. Now, I recognize today is Mother's Day, and we want to take time to discuss what Jesus unpacks concerning the power of commitment between a man and a woman in what he created uh, and called marriage. Furthermore, I want you to understand, this does relate to all of us that are here today. Some of you might be here, and you're a teenager, and you're like, man, I'm not married. I'm checking out, right? Uh, Some of you are single, and you're not married yet, or you're looking to be married, or you're waiting for that right person, or uh, maybe, uh, maybe you've been married a while, I don't know. Uh, maybe you're widowed, um, maybe you're divorced, and, and that's your story, and, 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 and no matter where you are in that today, one thing that we can do as followers of Jesus Christ is understand God's expectation for a husband and wife when they come together. And I think for our young people today, our students, and for our singles, and our college students, I know some of them are starting to come home now, um, wouldn't it be great, I think all the married couples in the room could say amen to this today, wouldn't it be great if you decided to get married and you started off well? Right? That's kind of weak sauce, but we'll try it again. Wouldn't it be great to get married and start off well? Right, it would be. And so as a church, we want to model to our young people what this looks like. And so for many relationships that are crumbling, we discover the reason to be a lack of commitment. We discover that there's a lack of commitment in that relationship, but what type of commitment are we actually talking about? And it doesn't matter uh, the, 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 uh, the relationship. It could be the relationship between a husband and wife. It could be between mom and dad. Uh, it could be between um, uh, son and daughter. It could be just between friends. It doesn't matter the relationship. If Christ isn't central to that commitment, listen, the, the, the relationship will eventually deteriorate. It doesn't matter the relationship. If Christ isn't central to that commitment, it'll eventually deteriorate. Now, we're committed to being in this type of relationship. So some people have different goals. Some people have different goals in their relationships. For some couples that are married today, the goal is we want to raise our kids. That's it. They just want to raise up good, moral, upstanding kids. And for most parents, the bar's set pretty low. It's like, um, I want to make sure that they don't do drugs and get pregnant before they're married. Like, that's the goal for some parents. And they say, as long as we do that, and we help them get into college, and they get a good job, and they get on their way, we made the goal, right? For others, 
It might be to do this project or to accomplish some goal, or maybe you get married because of the tax benefits, right? I don't know, but, 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 but we all have different reasons for doing that. But friends, I want to tell you today, if Christ isn't central to the commitment of your relationship with your spouse, it likely will deteriorate at some point. You see, when the commonality or the goal changes, so does the relationship, unless Christ is central. Unless Jesus Christ is the cornerstone and the foundation, that relationship will shift over time. And so, what we want to talk about today, and this is kind of the big idea, commitment flows out of a marriage when Christ is the cornerstone. That's the, that's the big idea today. Commitment flows out of a marriage when Christ is the cornerstone. Now, this, marriage isn't, uh, this message isn't designed to guilt or shame us, but it's there to provide a framework to build faithfulness in our relationships that stands in contrast to the world. So as followers of Jesus Christ, we want the way that we live and the way that we engage in life to transcend this earth and this world's values, and we want it to be elevated to a place of God's kingdom. We want to re- represent God and his word and the message of the gospel. Now this message is important because it helps us to consider what's truly at stake in our marriage and our families. Because commitment to Christ, listen to this, and this would be a good one right now because it's not in your notes today. Commitment to Christ impacts the most vital relationships in your life. Commitment to Jesus Christ impacts the most vital relationships in your life. And then those relationships impact others. Now because we follow Jesus and because we have I've been commissioned as salt and light in a world needing to see the power of the gospel to transform our lives. It's imperable that the gospel shapes our relationship to our spouse. We want to look at that today and kind of unpack what it means to have a gospel-centered marriage and to have the gospel define and drive our most important relationship with our significant other. I'm so glad that Jesus addresses this in the Word of God. And one of the first things that we see in our, our passages that we read this morning is this, is that The concern is not just moral conformity. The concern for Jesus is not just moral conformity. The concern of Christ isn't that you just don't get a divorce. That's not the concern of Christ today. A lot of people don't get divorced, but listen, they have horrible marriages that do not reflect the power of the gospel to transform two people that say they love each other and say they love Jesus Christ. Are you guys with me? A lot of people have marriages that are falling apart, that are withering away. A lot of people are just trying to tread water and and, and make it to the end, whatever the end is, right? Till the first one dies. I don't know, right? But some people, that's their relationship. Now, being a Christian, okay, this is so important for us to understand the gospel. Being a Christian doesn't terminate on the scriptures. It terminates on the Savior of the scriptures, You see, the Pharisees in this passage of scriptures, or in this passage of the Word of God, they knew the law. They knew the Word of God. They knew the rules. They were good at keeping the rules, and they were horrible at following Jesus. And so their their motive wasn't aligned with the heart of God or the gospel. In fact, I would argue this morning that Christ is calling us to a relationship with him not rules. All right, are you guys with me? Christ calls us to follow him, to love him, to know him, not just to follow a list of rules. He wants us to follow him so closely that we value him and those values 
transcend the world in which we live and elevate a kingdom that is to come. We live in such a way as followers of Jesus Christ and we follow him so closely that our life is a reflection of things to come that attracts other people to want what Christ is also offering for them. You guys with me? That's the kind of marriage that God wants us to have. Two people can live together and they can be roommates and they can have a loveless marriage. They can live together and despise and resent each other. I'm sure that there are those in the room today that maybe that's your story. And, and God has called us, listen, if that's your story, God has called us to so much more. And you might be sitting there this morning thinking, man, my life would be so much better if God would just fix my spouse, right? Right? How many of you thought that before? Now, don't be raising your hand. It's Mother's Day, man. Some of you, don't do that. But I'm sure most of us have thought that before. Man, my life would be easier if she just put the dishes away. Man, my life would be easier if he would just do what I tell him to do because he lacks common sense. I mean, we could go on and on today, but at the end of the day, God doesn't want to fix your spouse. He wants to transform your heart. You see, in Matthew 19, a group of Pharisees step up to Jesus. <laughs> and it's a kind of a foolish thing to do, but they try to test Jesus. And one of them asks him a question. And I'd hate to be that cat. They're probably like pushing him, like, you ask him, you know. And they ask him this question. Is there any reason that we can divorce our wives? And so it's a horrible question to some degree, because this is what they're saying. I want to be godly. I want to look godly. And I want... Uh, you to give me some godly reason to dump this fool because I'm tired of this woman. And that's essentially what they're saying. And Jesus makes it impossible. And why does he do that? Because Jesus wasn't calling us towards moral conformity. But listen, Jesus was calling those who follow him to a life of commitment and a life of sacrificial love. Because that's what Jesus did for us. And marriages reflect the relationship that Jesus Christ has with his church. You could stay married to another person, and marriage could be that marriage could be dishonoring to God. For some, this can be an emotional issue, and I, I want to be sensitive to that this morning. Some people are stuck in marriages, and, 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 and they're trying to navigate that as they try to follow Jesus Christ. And, and listen, I, I identify with that. I, 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 uh, I, I don't want to guilt or shame anyone today. I, I grew up in a home where my mom stayed with my dad in an abusive relationship, and this can be a very sensitive topic for some this morning. But I also want us to think about this, because in the text today, Jesus talks about divorce. And we need to be careful how we approach this topic of divorce and remarriage, and we need to be careful about the words we use. For, for instance, if we simply say God hates divorce out of Malachi 2.16, we are oversimplifying a complex issue covered in various passages of Scripture. And if we're not careful, what we do is we add guilt to people's lives when God is offering them grace. You guys with me? Now, just because God understands, and listen, I want to tell you something today. The Bible is filled with some people that were really jacked up, right? There's some really jaded people in the Word of God. And and I want you to understand this morning, just because God understands the human condition, and just because God makes permissible what He hates does not mean that we should diminish the very institution that he created to represent his love for you and me. You guys with me? So we can't diminish it. The Bible gives us 
a couple of different grounds for divorce. One is adultery, one is abandonment by an unbeliever, and the other is abuse. And, and that's not a, the, the message today, but my prayer is that we leave here with such an elevated view of God's design for marriage that we think, listen, long and hard about the choices that we make. Now, as a pastor in um, the last 17 years, there have been moments in my ministry where I've tried to counsel couples out of getting married. Like, man, I don't know if this is a good idea. Or, man, I don't know if, if you're ready for this. And, friends, I want you to tell you this morning that, you know, sometimes we might doubt after we get married, like, man, you know, I really wonder if it was God's will if I married this person. Listen, the day you said I do, it then became God's will. Whether you made a mistake or not, whether you picked the right person or not, at that moment, it then became a covenant that you now need to honor before that person, God, and the folks that you took it in front of. But the point is this, when you follow Jesus, your goal is not moral conformity. It's not just keeping the rules, and we're going to talk again about this next week. The goal for those of us who follow Jesus Christ is Christ-likeness. It's likeness to Jesus. It's living in the ways and in the words of Jesus Christ. The whole point of what Jesus is communicating is that a soul night, our marriages and life should be defined and driven by the gospel, and we're not looking to live by the letter of the law. We're looking to live by the love of Jesus Christ. That's what motivates our marriage. That's what drives our marriage. That's what defines our marriage, and not just our marriage, but our relationship to our parents, our relationships to, to other followers of Jesus Christ, and, and on and on I can go with those relationships. And so the concern is not moral conformity, but the greater concern is the commitment that we make that is a covenant. And we see that in chapter 19, verses 4 through 6. Jesus' response was a section of scripture that we actually put into our wedding vows. It comes out of Genesis chapter 2. And he says what God puts together, let no man put asunder. God's plan, God's design is that two people would become one flesh and that that would create an unbreakable bond. In his book, The Mingling of Souls, Matt Chandler says it this way. He says, these words are often said in a perfunctory way, but they speak to the deep spiritual reality of marriage. It is something, friends, underline this. It is something that God has done. To think of it as anything else or anything less is to diminish it. Jesus Christ, listen, when we think about a covenant, Jesus Christ did not say to sinners in need of redemption, and listen, we're all sinners in need of redemption. Jesus Christ didn't say to sinners in need of redemption, meet me halfway, let's go 50-50 on the deal, right? There's an old Southern Gospel song that I used to hear. Uh, he came all the way, leaving me one step to take. And friends, I, I, I get the purpose of the song, but at the end of the day, Jesus did all of it. Jesus did all of it. He was 100% all in. And in our marriages, it's 100% on both sides. And since we are sinners, our natural responses in relationships usually hinge on what might be gained. You know, most of us have relationships with people because of how it benefits us or how it makes us feel or the love that, 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 that we experience when we're with that person. And when we stop feeling that love and the gain is not there, the relationship then is no longer useful. I think about that in terms of the gospel. 
And I think about that in terms of how Christ loved me, died for me, sacrificed for me. He redeemed me. He adopted me into his family. He calls me now his son. And when God did all of that, guess what? I had nothing good to offer him. And then after I got saved, I think, wow, you know, maybe Jesus chose me because I'm an all-star. Man, I'm still JV, right? And I can't even get my act together most days, and I have nothing really good of myself to offer God. Even on my best days, I still stand in need of the grace of God. And yet, I thought about it this morning, and on most days, I think through this, and I pray for it, and I say, God, thank you for saving me. And thank you for being faithful to me when I've not been faithful to you. And God, when I consider it this morning, thank you, thank you, thank you. That in all of my failures and in all of my mistakes, you've never put me on the shelf. And I'm going to tell you, if you're married, marriage is often filled with failures. It's often filled with missteps. And so my commitment to my significant other is not contingent on what they give me in return because that's not commitment. You see, in a gospel-centered marriage, you give yourself to your spouse regardless of the good and services because that's what true love is and what God glorifies. A marriage committed to a covenant is, listen, committed to God and it's committed to serving each other as you honor him in the commitment you made on your wedding day when you took those vows. You see, It's God's desire that our marriages would have a ferocious commitment to one another that mirrors the covenant of God with his people. That's why the Bible says in Malachi, God hates divorce. He hates it. And he hates it because God doesn't give up on his commitment to his people. And our marriages as Christians and as followers of Jesus Christ should reflect the love and the commitment and the covenant that God steps into when, with his people the moment they begin to follow him by faith and in his grace. But see, God keeps his promises. And I think, you know, as Christians, can, can, can I just be honest? God keeps his promises, and I think so should we. As followers of Jesus Christ, I think we should do everything in our power to keep the promises that we make. It's not contingent. It's a covenant. Because when Christ is the cornerstone, everything around us can change. We can get old, right? We can get chubby. We can make mistakes. Somebody laughed about that. I'm not sure how that's going. We can get old. We can get chubby. We can make mistakes. We can even sin against one another. But we lean into that commitment we made because we want to please God character, and I hope our young people get this today, character is keeping your commitments, even when the circumstances surrounding that commitment have changed. That's character. That's integrity. Character is keeping your commitments, even when the circumstances around those commitments have changed. God is a covenant God, and he is ferociously faithful to people to a people that rarely reciprocate. God's covenant is unwavering. And when we are unfaithful, he is faithful. We must understand that God never forsakes his people. So we should be very careful that we do not abandon our commitments. And we should be very wise to make sure that Christ, listen, let's make sure, whether you're married here today or not, make sure that Christ is the cornerstone 
of your life. Oh, man, make sure that he is the one that sets the bar for you. The cornerstone, the cornerstone is Christ. A marriage without Christ is a marriage without a foundation. And that could go for a lot of areas. A church without Christ is a church without a foundation. And we could go on and on today. It's a relationship. Marriage is a relationship that's built on something uh, that, that can crumble in time. It is wise to know in life, including marriage, that is filled with struggle and, and difficulty. You know, life isn't, marriage in particular, isn't a, a rom-com, okay? You guys know what I'm talking, you know, how many know what a rom-com is, right? A romantic comedy, right? It's not a Jennifer Aniston movie where everything works out in the end, right? And sometimes we, we view those things, it's not like, it's not like The Bachelorette where someone at the end gets the rose. Like, that's not real life, right? When, when my wife and I, we started dating, there were no helicopters. <laughs> we didn't fly to an exotic location, right? I mean, the day that, we, um, that I engaged her, that's, you know, proposed to her, she calls it, I engaged her, uh, we went to a park, right? My buddies hood off us. Uh, hit off on the side and tried to videotape the whole thing, and I fumbled, you know, the whole proposal, just like a nerd, you know? My, my mom sent me a ring. This is a true story. I told my mom, I, I sent her the ring, and she was going to get a diamond placed in the ring, and I said, Mom, I want a princess cut diamond. Can you make sure one of those gets in there? She had a jeweler back home. She mails me the ring in the mail, right? I didn't know better. You know, a couple thousand bucks, we'll just trust it with USPS, you know, because they're very reliable. I get to my mailbox at Baptist Bible College. I open that up, and I pull the ring out, and it's around solitaire. <laughs> I call her up. I'm like, hey, you got, the wrong, you got the wrong stone. She goes, baby, I got you a good stone. There's good color in it. I know it's not the one you wanted, but I'm sure she'll love it. All right, I'll talk to you later. And then she just hung up on me. That was that. <laughs> All right, we're going with it. Jeez. Listen, our, our life can't be anchored on experiences, romantic getaways, wedding rings. Man, is your life anchored to Christ? Is your marriage anchored to Christ? Because here's some suggestion to building your life, marriage, and relationships on the life that is the cornerstone, Jesus Christ. The first one is this, continue to pursue Christ. Man, the greatest gift that you can give your spouse or your kids is a heart wholly devoted to Jesus Christ, all right? Now, all cards, all, all cards on the table today, right? So this week, I asked my, one of my kids, I was like, hey, can you help me do this real quick? And we were working on something together. And they weren't doing it the way that I felt like they should be, okay? And then I got angry, and I took what we were working on, and I just threw it across the yard. I was frustrated, right? And, and I felt bad. She goes and sits down, and she goes, you know, Daddy, I don't understand how you can preach on anger this Sunday, and then you just get mad at me today. <laughs> my kid said that to me. And I spanked her and sent her to her room. And I said, look, I just can't, I just, she's all 13. And I said, baby, you're right. I said, I never want my uh, lack of following through on what I preach to hinder your faith in Jesus Christ. Because I want you to understand, daddy and mommy, and mommy in particular, we're people in progress, right? <laughs> Happy Mother's Day. Man, we're, we're working at it. And daddy gets angry, he gets frustrated sometimes, and I'm wrong. And I had to confess that. 
continue to pursue Christ. I remember when my wife and I, we first got married, and uh, we lived, I was thinking about this today, we lived at BBC in uh, Baptist Bible College, lived in a one uh, in a one-bedroom apartment there on campus, and I remember in our living room, uh, we had an ottoman. I think we had an ottoman at that time. And every night before bed, we would we we uh, kneel down before that ottoman. We pray for our marriage. And I remember praying, you know, when we first got married, those first couple of years, God, uh, use our marriage to influence others and to be an. We were that typical couple that thought we were going to help everyone else with struggling marriage, right? You know how it is when you meet those young couples and. Um, one, they make it really awkward because they, they, the PDA is just out of control. Can I get an amen on that? Please, chill out. We get it, right? And then, you know, they feel like, well, you know, in our marriage, you know, we got it all figured out. <laughs> you just feel like, <laughs> you know, that was us, a bit naive. We had so much to learn and so much to experience. And I, if I'm being honest today, we've had failures that we had to go through. I think any honest couple that's here today would say, man, we've had some struggles in our marriage. We've had some arguments. We've had some doozies. Man, I could tell you some stories today that you'd probably ask me to resign afterwards. But the only thing, the only thing that has kept our marriage together over the last 19 years is our commitment to Jesus Christ. I, um, when I got married, I knew for certain that I wanted a girl that loved Jesus Christ. I wanted that for my life because I, I'd seen so many relationships up to that point um, fall apart. I remember when we, uh, after we first got married, um, we were down in Melbourne, Florida, and I ran into a friend of mine named Seth, and he had married a young woman that I had dated a couple times, went out with a couple times. And, and Bible college, if you go out with anyone, you're getting married, so it's all weird, you know. And so, um, so I went with this girl a couple times. We're down in Melbourne, and I ran into this guy, Seth, and I said, hey, man, um, how, how's uh, how's uh, such and such doing? He goes, I, I don't know. Like, what do you mean? I mean, they haven't been married longer than we had, maybe a year. I said, What do you mean you don't know? He goes, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know where she's at. And I said, What do you mean? He goes, Well, she left me. Come to find out, she left him for a semi-pro baseball player in the town that we had all been living in in Bible college. And I got back to the room and I told my wife, I said, I'm gonna take a couple things. I'm so thankful. It was like a Garth Brooks song. For unanswered prayers, right? I'm so glad. I hate it for Seth that he married her, but I'm so glad that God in his providence and in his grace allowed me to marry you and we're still together after two years, you know? Like, I'm, I'm thankful for that. Second thing, if you ever run off, I will find you. Like, I'll find you. I don't know that I want you back, but I'll find you. <laughs> like, I'm a super sleuth. Man, all along the way, God has given us grace and commitment to build our love stronger. As a follower of Jesus, we're committed to obeying his word and becoming the person God has called us to be his disciples. So our goal isn't just to keep it together. And I, I've never wanted a marriage where we just keep it together. We long to become joyful. I mean, a lot of marriages need joy, right? And I'm going to tell you, there'll be no joy in your marriage if you don't have Christ as the cornerstone. And then continue to pursue your spouse's heart. You know, continue to press the gospel into his or her spirit. Continue to want more. Don't stop moving forward. Instead of demanding a better spouse, try becoming intent on drawing meaning and fulfillment from you becoming a better spouse. That's what's really fulfilling. It's not my, listen folks, it's not my responsibility to fix all that's broken in my life's, uh, in my, or my spouse's uh, heart. 
That's the job of the Holy Spirit, and that's what the gospel does for her. I've got to work on me. I've got to work on my own progressive sanctification and becoming the person that God has called me to be. I'm not here to fix her. And so I continue to pursue her heart. What makes her smile? What makes her happy? What brings her joy? What, what makes her light up when she walks into What can I do to bring delight to her life? Not what can she do to serve me and make my life easier or convenient. The third one is this. Continue to confess. And I would say, and maybe if you could jot this down today, just become a professional repenter. I believe, honestly, that we have become the people that God wants us to be as a church. When we are a people marked by confession, right? And when I mean confession, I mean when we say, God, I have sinned and I no longer want to walk down that path. And we say that to God, and if it involves another person, we're saying it to them like, hey, I have wronged you. I have sinned against you. Not, hey, I made a mistake or, hey, I messed up. No, man, I hurt you, and I'm so sorry, and I don't want to do this again. Continue to confess. One of the things that I love about being a follower of Jesus Christ is when you're in Christ, you don't have to run from your past. You can rest in the power of God to transform you. And listen, marriage marriage assists in the process. I believed this for years. Um, I taught this way back when, when I was a, a family marriage uh, director at, at the church that I previously served at. I believe one of the reasons that God allows us to be married to another human being is so that we can realize how self-absorbed that we really are, right? And God, in the outworking of our, our relationship with this other person, allows us to be sanctified in our spirit and in our heart. When we first got married, uh, we were living on the campus there at Baptist Bible College, and, and I'm a very rigid, organized person. And, and one morning, I got up, and we were going to early service. And as we were going to church, I uh, got up like I always did, hopped in the shower, and I laid my clothes on the bed. And April, wanting to be that perfect wife, said, I will iron your clothes for you. And so all you need to do is set them out. I will iron them and make sure we're a year in, all right? And I know some of the ladies are smiling today. She doesn't iron uh, as much anymore because I've learned to iron since then, amen? But she used to do that for me. And I, you know, got all my stuff done, ate my breakfast, and then come 8 o'clock, we had to be there at 8.30, I started out the door. And as I started out the door, my wife got out a, 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 a cereal bowl, cereal, and milk. And as I'm opening the door, I look at her and I said, what are you doing? She goes, what do you mean, what am I doing? She goes, I'm eating breakfast. And I'm like, well, we don't really have time for that. And so I said to her, um, I said, we don't have time for that. She goes, we had time for you to eat breakfast. And I said, well, that's because I got up early. (laughs) And so at that moment, she had a bowl of milk with cereal in it. And she picked it up and she threw it at me, right, (laughs) on a Sunday morning. Now, I don't know if your Sunday mornings are like that. But it was for us that day. The funny thing was, none of the milk got on me. It all got on her, right? I tell that story, and I asked her if it was okay if I told that today. Because the reality is, man, for some of you today, that was probably how your morning went. That's probably, to some degree, what your marriage looks like on most days. And I want to share that with you because there's no perfect marriage. There's no perfect marriage. Some of you need counseling because you're afraid that is for people getting a divorce. Back in 2016, my wife and I hit a rough patch. And I told her, I said, I I don't want you to be a ministry widow. 
And I don't want you to feel like because we're in ministry that we can't get help. And I remember um, telling our deacons, and I said, look, I'm struggling in my relationship with my wife right now, and I'm not sure why, and we need someone to speak into our marriage. And so my wife and I went to counseling, and we spent a solid year in counseling, and we were working through some issues. And we were going into the city to to go to counseling because it was kind of awkward for us because we, you know, there's some ego there, and we didn't want people to think we were really messed up. And and I remember uh, heading down on the train, and as we were going to our counseling appointment, Bo Opit, right back there on the back row, he doesn't even know this. This is the first time he's hearing it. He plopped down next to me on the seat. He says, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to the city. He says, well, what are you doing in the city? Well, we're going to the city today. <laughs> I was trying not to lie to him because I didn't want him to know that April and I were having a season where we needed help. And then a few weeks later on the way back from our counseling appointment, we're getting off the train and Billy Deitch walks up behind me and starts tapping me on the shoulder. Hey, what are you doing? Where are you coming from? I don't know, nosy bird. Why don't you mind your business? <laughs> I didn't tell him that. I said, April's got some emotional issues and we're trying to help her out. <laughs> and I remember that first appointment. We walked into the counseling uh, office there. And we were the only ones in there because they, they tiered their appointments so you didn't have to sit awkwardly there with other broken people, you know. And April looked at me because I can't believe we're in counseling. I was taught my whole life that if you go to counseling, you're getting a divorce. I said, are you leaving me? She goes, no. I said, well, then okay. And, and, and I want to tell you this morning that it's okay not to have a perfect marriage. Some of you need counseling and you're afraid that it's only for people getting divorced. Or you don't want to talk to your pastors because it's embarrassing or inconvenient. And friends, that's just plain lazy. It's just lazy. Listen, every failure in your life, every shortcoming, every stumble, every bloody knee, every broken nose is redeemed by Christ and used by the Holy Spirit to help shape, mold, and serve what's behind you. All right? So I want you to think about this morning. Because Christ isn't here to condemn our failures, but he's here to challenge our faithfulness. He's here to challenge our faithfulness. And this morning we're reminded that Christ has called us to a life that is driven and defined by the gospel. We're here to be reminded that commitment flows from a marriage where Christ is the cornerstone. That's what we're here to be reminded of today. This may sound redundant, but we are a people that have been set free to live and to love others. When it comes to our marriages, or really any relationship for that matter, Christ must be the cornerstone. Otherwise, we're in danger of ruining some of his best gifts, you know? I remember when April and I were going through that season, and man, we were just struggling to communicate. And it got pretty ugly there for a while, if I'm being honest. And you know what really hurt? Was when my kids overheard some of the conversations that we had. And they saw mom crying, or they saw daddy frustrated. And crying because, you know. And I remember seeing the looks on their faces and thinking to myself, if I don't get this right, if we don't fix this, they're going to have issues when they grow up. And friends, I want to tell you, if Christ isn't the cornerstone of your life, you're going to ruin some of the best gifts that God has for you and in store for you in the days to come. Christ followers strive to be a people that bring hope to those who struggle in these areas and yet not offer judgment. We, we call sin what it is, 
but we step into conversations with a heart of compassion and hope, just like Jesus Christ. So I want to tell you today, maybe you're here and you're a young person. Be careful of the choices that you make in the next few years. Because some of the decisions that you're going to make in the next few years are going to have an incredible impact for the decades to come. Whether you're a high school student, whether you're a college student, hey, there might be some singles that are sitting in this room today and they're just like, I'd love to get married if God would provide a spouse. And there is a longing in your soul to be married. And it, it just, it hasn't happened for you. And I want to encourage you that Jesus is better than marriage. Jesus is more satisfying than anything or any person can offer you today. And you might be here today, and you might have been married before, and it has failed, and you carry guilt and shame. And listen, like Jesus said to the woman at the well, hey, go and sin no more. Listen, Christ came to set us free and to make us whole and to make all things new. God is a God of second, third, fourth, and fifth chances. He wants to set us free, and he wants to usher in joy in our lives so that we can live free and abundantly for him. And some of you in this room today, you would be, if you were honest with God and honest with yourself and your spouse, you would grab them by the hand and say, you know, I know we're struggling right now. I know that there's been some failures and some hurts and even betrayals, but I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I'm going to continue to lean in, and I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'm going to confess, and I'm going to forsake, and I'm going to work at this thing. Because listen, the more that you till your own field, the better it's going to be. The better it's going to be. 